You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home Abroad and we are in the surrounded by the burn limestone on every side but in the middle of this we're in an oasis and in the middle of this oasis is Catterbridge Gardens and the gardener and constructor of Catterbridge Gardens Carl is with me Carl, um, first of all thanks a million for allowing me to participate in the tour and it's been most fascinating in every respect how many years has gone into this to start? Uh, well, I started in '99. Um, it was started really as an accident. It wasn't ever intended to become what it has become. Right. Um, it was really just very low key. I wasn't a gardener. I wasn't interested in creating a garden. And gradually, I got addicted to it, more and more addicted. And I suppose in the last 10 years, it's really, really gone mad, like it's extended and extended. And now I just keep extending and will do as long as I can, probably. And <laughs> it's obviously a full-time job during the season. Um, it is now, yeah. I, I gave up my job oh, uh, quite a few years ago. I just decided that life is too short. Uh, to be working all the time for somebody else, lining somebody else's pockets, and uh, I wanted to to spend the rest of my life doing what I love doing, and that's being with plants. So I decided to just see if I could um, survive um, by being resourceful. And uh, yeah, I bought the house in 1996. The house needed quite a bit of work, to say the least, and that took me around two years. When that was kind of finished. I started clearing around the house to tidy up and that's really when the garden sort of started. I wanted to use a lot of native plants, I wanted to retain uh, most of the trees that were around and not particularly create a, an ornamental type of, of garden. I've tried to blur the boundaries, if you like, so all the way around the outside of the garden, where the garden meets the landscape, there's a very gradual transition into the landscape. But aesthetically, it creates a balance. Everything is in harmony. You might look around and think, well, it's lush, it's green, and it looks like everything grows very well. There isn't an inch of soil on this property. It is limestone pavement. So the soil I've used in the garden has been brought in. And when I clear a new area, I usually end up with a massive pile of rocks. So I started building stone walls. Since 1999, I've built over a mile of walls in the garden. The project is, is a one-man band, really. Dad's here at the moment. He's been stuck here for the last six months with the lockdown. He's 90, so he's still able to mix concrete. And the other day, he moved two tons of gravel for me. So uh, I told him not to, but uh, he did anyway. It's an all-absorbing passion, I suppose. It's just become a wonderful monster. But I can't stop. I'm completely addicted to it. Well, what? we're now going to go and join you on the tour and uh, at the end we'll get some of the details for where people can find you. <laughs> no, I'm oh. a fox. So uh, you might see the fox, I don't know. She's around. She was following me about just now. There's a fox here, a, pet, a tame fox, and uh, she's lovely. So she's, that's why I have a dog biscuit in my pocket. Not because I eat them. Well, I do, but sometimes. Anyway, right. So the ground then is all limestone pavement. Uh, all the soil has been brought in. It's all been hand-sieved. Um, there's loads of rocks. Oh, you were asking me, why do I sieve it? That's right. Right, okay. The first two lorryfuls of soil that I bought, I got from uh, quite nearby, Ballyvoughton. 
and it was the best topsoil and when I got it it was the worst subsoil you could imagine you see the problem is in this area we don't have any topsoil it's all subsoil it's glacial clay basically and it's full of stones um, which is one thing I don't need and it's also full of weeds so you have stuff like cooch grass uh, scutch uh, convolvulus horsetail docks all the things you don't really want in your garden so I, the, uh, when I was raking it over to make the grass I thought mm, this isn't going to work really I'll have to try and get rid of the stones and I'll have to get rid of the, the weeds so I started sieving and picking out the stones and then I thought well as I'm at it I might as well take out the roots so I've been sieving ever since so all 1500 tonnes of soil has been hand sifted now people laugh at me but I laugh at them then because they're always saying oh the coach grass we can't get I spend my life weeding <laughs> I don't I spend once a year weeding the garden and that's it it's pretty much weed free now you'll get the odd annual coming up but you can pull those out as you're walking around talking to people um, and in March the garden gets a real clear up after the winter and that's sorted but it honestly does pay to sieve your soil if you've got the patience and pick out the weed roots because the time that it saves in the long run is unreal you know and it's quite therapeutic and you get to quite enjoy it after a while the rocks well I don't need them I find ways of using the rubbish which I'll tell you about later on but basically all the rocks that I dig up all the time uh, I put to good use in building walls so as we go round you'll see a lot of walls and since 1999 I've built over a mile of them on the property every single wall that you will see here is new and it's all from 1999 there's only one original wall in the garden which if I think about it I'll mention as we when we see it okay so yeah from the start if you weren't a gardener. How did I hit, hit on it? Yeah. Well, it just seemed a logical thing to do. It seemed like a logical Yeah, it did, really. Because I thought, how do I... Just, uh, you know, well, by doing most it. gardeners won't sieve soil because they yeah. say it's too hard work. And yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's soul-destroying, actually. But after a while, you cut, it's a challenge. <laughs> you know, can I get every single piece of convolvulus root out of that ton of soil? And yeah, it just becomes a, a challenge, you know, to get it. And then if you find a piece, you, you kind of think oh I didn't do too well there now I must be a bit more careful tomorrow <laughs> yeah it's good no it's okay it actually gets kind of sorted out three times because all the beds everything is on rock okay so I start clean it, it's completely clean if I'm making a new area so you sieve your soil into a wheelbarrow and as you're sieving you need to level it out so you kind of automatically do this every so often and then you might spot a bit that you've missed so that goes in the bucket then when you tip it into the new bed you get another chance so you get three chances so there's a really good chance that you are going to get every single bit out the seeds no you can't get them but they will only grow from the surface so that's easy because if you see stuff coming up you just pick it out and it's easy if you've got cooch grass three foot down you're never going to get rid of it or convolvulus you know so uh, yeah yeah so it's worth doing <laughs> come on in you go I, I think I've done everything there um, <laughs> 
So, uh, <laughs> so this is where it all started, uh, outside the front door. This is 1999, but it's not really, because it's had a bit of a rework uh, about five years ago or four years ago. I, I redid a lot of it, because I, I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning, because I didn't really know what I was doing. So now, one of the projects is to kind of go back to the beginning and sort of start again and try and put right some of the mistakes and change things, because in the beginning I didn't collect plants and now I've become a serious plant collector so I just need every inch of space I can find to put new plants in so um, yeah so it's kind of in the process of being redone well basically this was all full of trees uh, it was hazel blackthorn and hawthorns um, these are the big ones and I left all those because I love them they're my favourite tree uh, I took out a lot of hazel and the blackthorn cleared this space and then started finding a lot of rocks the pile got higher and higher and higher and in the end I had to move them so instead of moving them miles away I built the wall down the road so the wall from the bridge down the road around the corner and into there is built entirely from the rock which was cleared just off this grassy area here so that gives you an idea of the volume of rock you're dealing with here, it's, it's crazy it's absolutely ridiculous this is the rubbishy soil that I got in the beginning all I did was just kind of rake it over and pick out the stones and stuff uh, to make a lawn and the reason I wanted a lawn was because it was easy to look after and I wanted bulbs lawns mean bulbs uh, and this is completely filled from one end to the other with snowdrops so in January and February you open the door and this is just a sea of white snowdrops it's brilliant and then there's daffodils and a few other things bluebells and fritillaries and stuff and then I've only just cut them down that's why it looks a bit raggedy in places uh, the last of the daffodils got wiped about two weeks ago and now this will be kept short for the rest of the year so this lawn, the one at the side and the one at the back, those are the three lawns that are kind of kept clipped. Um, the rest are managed as wildflower areas and bulb meadows as well. But I'll tell you more about those later on. So that's the idea of lawns. I'm really into lawns now. I keep making new ones because uh, I collect bulbs. So uh, it's a great place to put bulbs. And I also collect trees. Um, I collect hawthorns. I love them. They are my favourite tree. Ireland this year was unreal. Real. Oh, incredible. The whole country was just white with blossom. Beautiful, beautiful. Best year ever. And these these were lovely as well. And they are fantastic trees. And people say, well, what do you like about them? And I say, well, they're, they're really stunning when they're in flower. But they've got the halls as well, which are great for the birds. They're, um, you can use them yourself if you want to. You know, they're, they're nice trees. They're small. They're compact. The roots aren't a problem under the houses. They're, they're just brilliant trees. So I started collecting them so if you see a tree any tree that's planted in one of the lawns it's going to be a hawthorn and all these new trees are all hawthorns I've 23 different species and cultivars now I think the largest collection in the country so that's something that I'm trying to expand but of course it means new lawns all the time to plant them in because you can't plant trees here because they won't grow in the rock uh, you've got to find a hole deep enough to get a baby one in and once they're established they will actually find their way through somehow or other but uh, yeah it's difficult to plant trees so this
this line of hawthorns here, they're in a dead straight line, and I think they were a hedge originally, because they're in a straight line, and uh, when I got this, beyond those line of trees was just awful. It was solid blackthorn, hawthorn, hazel, and uh, willow, and I didn't really want to go in there, to be honest, because it was just a nightmare, and it was a shame to have that, because the river's there, and not use it. So I started sort of inching my way in bit by bit and eventually I made a little path down to the river and there was a big rock there that I could sit on with a cup of tea it was great but the trouble was the blackthorn the minute you turn your back from it it's up here again and it was a nightmare to keep out the way so I kind of gave up on it and then one day a friend of mine was in here with a machine a digger a little baby digger and he said um, do you want me to try and rip out the roots of the blackthorn and I said yeah if you can because I'd actually like to extend this grass right down to the side of the river and then I can just leave it as a meadow and keep it easy cleared um, so we set to work in there two lads and a digger is a disaster and we ended up doing something uh, completely different to what we started off but anyway that's what got me going <laughs> on gardening <laughs> in the boundary in the beginning the boundaries were, were wrong basically and it took me a while to sort them out but sure this is fair so you can kind of it's very flexible <laughs> it's very flexible yeah so this is kind of where the madness really started um, as I said it was supposed to be a lawn and we got digging and uh, we kept digging and we got down to the limestone pavement and it, I thought well it, it would be okay to have a pond here because it's very easy I mean it just fill it from the river and, and really it would have been uh, very low maintenance so basically we dug as much as we could out but uh, we hit bedrock of obviously all the way around so it was a case of just finding enough room to get a pond in it filled with water immediately from the river and it was a nice shape and I thought yep yeah, that's great I'd rather have a pond than a lawn so uh, this is really how it happened it was a bit of an accident now when we'd done it because it was done in like an afternoon I mean the mess was unreal because all the glacial clay that came out of here was piled up there there was boulders and rocks all over the place and of course he disappeared with the digger and I was left with all this mess and I hadn't got time to do anything with it because I was still trying to work, do the house and I was working five days a week so it just wasn't possible so I just left it for a year and it started getting overgrown again and I kept looking at it and thinking what am I going to do here so that kind of got me thinking about garden design and I decided because I didn't really want a garden garden I thought the best thing I can do is probably plant garden stuff uh, sort of up the top near the house and then as it moves down towards the water I would start introducing native plants and then as it comes to here I would use mostly native plants and then on that side of the path it would be 99% native plants so the plan was when people look over the wall which they do all day um, they can see it's a garden because there's the house the background is trees so it blends nicely into the background the heights just gradually merge upwards and then this just sweeps down into the river and across the river and the whole thing has is, is been designed to blend into what's going on around me so that's really what I decided to do most of the plants in the water are native um, there are a few non-native things but most of them are native uh, lots of very interesting plants in here the 
yellow water lily is the native Nuferlutia. Uh, it is an Irish wild plant, and the white one is a naturalised water lily that's everywhere in Connemara now. Um, the lovely spiky thing in the middle is a mare's tail, not horse tail, mare's tail. It's a different animal altogether. Um, that's an interesting plant because it's actually an oxygenator. It's got two halves. The bottom half is an oxygenator which lives underwater, and then it sends up this terrestrial spike with one little white, tiny little white flower on the top. It's a lovely plant, but you do need a big pond for it because it, it does tend to move a bit. The sedges are all native, the grasses are all native, um, so and most of the stuff along here is too. The yellow thing is uh, yellow loose strife, North American. It's not native, but it's been in Ireland for a very, very long time. And again, when I started planning this, I was thinking, how can I connect this to the local landscape or the Irish landscape in general? Because so many people look at it over the wall, I was trying to make it feel uh, comfortable for people, not kind of, oh my God, there's a big garden there. So I started looking at old Irish cottages around the country, derelict ones, and looking to see what was in the gardens. And I came up with the same plants all the time. And one of them was that yellow loose strife. So I thought, it's got to, I've got to use it, and it's brilliant here, and it works very, very well. It mixes nicely with all the comfrey and the meadowsweet and all the rest of it. This is meadowsweet, by the way. Um, have a sniff. It's absolutely gorgeous. Makes lovely wine. <coughs> makes lovely cordial as well. And they used to use this for um, floor coverings in old uh, cottages because uh, it supposedly keeps fleas and ticks away. So oh, really, oh, can we, can we oh, shove oh, some in your pocket. Yeah, it's a bit late now. So that's meadowsweet. Oh, <laughs> and it's actually the plant where aspirin comes from. So there's your. That's where aspirin originated. In there, yeah, yeah, the good one. Yeah, gunnera. <laughs> that's highly dangerous. Right. Okay. Hiya. Um, the gunnera. People say, oh "My God, you've got gunnera." Uh, yeah, because I can. That little plant is 21 years old. Yeah, it, it doesn't like it here at all. Um, there's two problems. It's in glacial clay, which is limey, which it hates. It needs acid soil, really. And the other thing is, it's blimmin' cold in here. This is the coldest part of the garden, and uh, the lowest recorded temperature I have had in here is minus 17. Wow. Every winter, apart from, funnily enough, this one just gone, uh, but every winter there's always one day where you can walk across that pond and not fall through the ice. It's very cold in here, yeah. Um, now up there, it never freezes. Never. Under those trees, it's completely frost-free. So there's different temperature zones all over the garden. Um, and this is cold, so that thing hates it. It absolutely hates it. I nicked that from Clare Island. Uh, I was on Clare Island, oh, years ago, and uh, a farmer was cursing and digging and hacking at this thing, because it's covering Clare Island mm. completely, and Ackle and Inishboffin and all the other islands. And uh, I said, can I have a piece of that? And he just thought I was totally off the wall altogether. So that came from Clare Island, yeah. This is um, Gunnera tinctoria, and this one is the one that's the problem on Ackle Island. Uh, this is Gunnera manicata. But again, I can grow it. I actually cover that in the winter because I don't want to lose it. So, uh, yeah, I know, bonkers. Um, don't play with the white plant behind you, but do have a look at it uh, because it's a lovely plant. The, the white umbellifer here that looks like a carrot or parsley or something, uh, it's probably the most toxic plant in Ireland. It's hemlock water dropwort. Uh, 
Euryanthi crocata and a couple of leaves of that will sort the whole lot of us out no bother at all it's very poisonous but it's native and insects love it and it's pretty <laughs> now be careful there don't fall off that bridge yeah they're lovely aren't they mind the bridge be careful there there's a bridge right, it's only one step but don't fall off it watch out yeah uh, that's put it in my garden it's gone everywhere it, it went all over the place really stop it it's lysomachia it's the same as the yellow loose strife it's lysomachia uh, firecracker it's a lovely plant and everybody says god it's awful invasive but that's 21 years old you see the conditions here are really bad um, it's a wonder anything grows at all to be honest and it's lovely there it matches it just works against that wall I don't like it when it's in flower because the flowers are yellow, yellow and they're they kind of I don't know whether the yellow and red goes well together I don't think it does actually but anyway that's uh, yeah yeah and um, this isn't gonorrhea this is Darmera this is brilliant it's one of my top five garden plants uh, I absolutely love it it's um it's a perennial so it's naked in the winter uh, nothing at all except for some very strange rhizome roots that sit on the surface and look like some giant's feet or something they're, they're really curious looking things then in March it sends up a spike uh, a single spike of uh, per, uh, pinky fluffy flowers but there's a dead one it comes up about this high no leaves and it looks weird but it's quite beautiful and the insects go completely bonkers for it uh, very early in the season then the leaves come up and they're lovely um, they start off quite small they get higher and higher and usually bigger than this but this year's a funny year because it's cold um, and they hold water this is the great thing about them so it's always raining so you've always got a little pool of water in the leaves and birds small birds can actually perch on here and drink um, which is nice and you always get dragonflies and damselflies using this and bees even to drink the water uh, and then in the autumn the green turns yellow then it turns orange then it turns red and then finally brown and if the weather's not too bad even the beginning of November it's kind of quite attractive it's a fantastic plant all the books say it's a bog plant which technically it is <coughs> but if you live in the west of Ireland or the middle of Ireland it doesn't matter shove it in a border because it's very seldom dry so you'd be able to get away with it it's really good Darmera peltata it's called uh, lovely plant and the other top five garden plants definitely would be the regersias they're gone now really they've stopped kind of the flowering um, but those flowers will stay the same until at least September so it looks beautiful all through the year fantastic plants again it's supposed to be a bog plant but in Ireland maybe some parts of the east and Waterford and Wexford yes it probably would need wet conditions but generally no you can grow it in an ordinary border here and if it gets dry just chuck a bucket of water on it and it'll come back again so that's it yeah that's the pond there any questions? <laughs> no? it does <coughs> it certainly does it looks like lots of edible ones too it even looks a bit like Angelica and that's where the problem is because every year somebody gets killed because they mistake it for one of the edible umbellifers of which there are lots caraway, carrot, Angelica they're all edible and what's happening in Britain is there are so many Eastern Europeans now here and in Britain they're foraging and they mistake that for one of the edible ones so it does claim a few lives in the UK every year I don't know about here I haven't heard but certainly yeah yeah but it's a nice plant 
Yes, great. The yellow one again. The yellow one uh, over there. Yeah. Uh, yellow loose strife. Yeah. Why is it called loose strife? It's L O O S E S T R I V E. Loose strife because it loses strife. It's a relaxant. There you are. <laughs> so that's very good. Oh, and if you're into Valium or you need some Valium, uh, Valeriana officinalis is where Valium comes from, which is that very pale, uh, pinky, purpley thing there. Uh, you'll see lots more of it in a minute, but that's where Valium comes from. That's a wildflower, it's native, yeah, and it's everywhere at the moment in the hedges, yeah, it's lovely, it's really lovely. <laughs> Let's go in here. Um, there's a bit more space in here. I oh, know, the river's a gift. It's a real gift, really. I mean, what people. I mean, look at the bridge. <laughs> Where would you buy a water feature like that? I mean, hello. <laughs> when I started, you couldn't see the face of the bridge because it was all bushes and brambles and everything. Some of my neighbours had never really seen this face of the bridge until I cleared it. Uh, and it's a lovely piece of work. It's, I mean, you couldn't buy that. It's, I'm really lucky to have that. The river? Yeah, the river, once I cleared that, was, I could at least get to it. And this you couldn't. This was solid all the way through. It was just solid blackthorn. Um, you couldn't get in here. If you wanted to go up the river, you had to put the wellies on and just literally walk up the river. There was no access to the sides at all. It was solid. And this little bit in here happened by accident because, you see, we built this wall. When I had the digger here, the very, very big rocks that I couldn't move by hand, I just got him to put in a line because I wanted to build a wall. Because at the time, I wasn't really sure if I owned this or not. Well, in fact, I didn't really know if I owned that, but anyway, took a chance on it. Um, so I built the wall to give me a boundary, and that was brilliant. But luckily, I left the gap, because the gap was for me to sneak in with wheelbarrows full of grass clippings and prunings and just tip in here and amongst all the rubbish, which is what I used to do. And then I started running into a bit of a problem with the waste from the sivings. Now, okay, 1,500 tonnes of topsoil uh, produced about 750 tons of rubbish, stones and weeds and roots and all sorts of stuff. So I had to have somewhere to dump it. So I used to come in here and dig out one or two blackthorns and just tip the rubbish in. It took me seven years but I eventually got right down to the end. This is completely artificial and it's made of all the waste from the sivings. I then put topsoil on the top, raked it over, left it and within a year the blackthorn had was up here again, so I strimmed it, and then I left it for another year. All the weeds, wildflowers, and everything started coming up. Then I mowed it, because I'd got it so that it could be mown, and I thought, hmm, I've got this open now, I'm going to have to keep it open, so I'll start mowing. Once I started mowing, I started getting wildflowers, and then, of course, this became a little bit of a, a, an obsession, and I thought, I like it in here. It's a really nice riverside bit, and I'm going to keep it. And this is what happens when you don't mow, you end up just with blankets of orchids and everything else. Um, last year, or the year before last, I recorded 10 different native species of orchid in the garden. This year I've got 11. So it seems to increase one every couple of years. Yeah. 
Uh, bee or bee orchids? Bees. Oh, oh yeah, loads of bees. Yeah, it's insect heaven in here. Yeah, ticks, midges, horse flies, <laughs> the false widow spider, everything you want. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, there was bee orchids in here, but unfortunately you've missed them because they've gone now. But there were bee orchids in there a couple of weeks ago. The tall lads are um, uh, common spotted, uh, common spotted orchids. I'll, I'll tell you more about them in a minute. Yeah. So this is all bulbs on the left hand side um, snowdrops, uh, daffodils camassias, snakes head fritillaries and then in the summer I just kind of keep a path down through the middle and just keep an eye on it and if it starts getting out of hand I might strim a bit otherwise basically I just leave it for the wildflowers, it's, uh, it's brilliant really, really nice space what's going to happen? it's yeah. a big question isn't it? what are they going to do with it? A lot of people don't like it. A lot of people don't like it. Well, don't. A lot of people do like it. <laughs> did you see the Baron program? I did. Did you? I did. Oh. Yeah. There two, two programs. There were. So, yeah. Were you not listening to what I was saying on that program? Uh, I can't remember. Ah. <laughs> I, I was both. Oh, I only watched one. I don't remember you. Ah. I was doing the some of the geology. geology and some of the geography and in the second one I was talking about the hazel woodland I'm mad into the hazel woodland so my point of view is very different to the mainstream point of view and uh, when we did that program we were trying to the idea was to try and present both views and to let people think or try and encourage people to think about the issue of hazel woodland removal um, unfortunately the program was cut so heavily uh, the message I think got lost I don't think it really came over too well I don't think it even came over actually and it, if anything it came over in the wrong way um, but hopefully it, it has kind of stimulated a little bit more thought about the hazel yeah, yeah, don't get me started on it because <laughs> you'll be here till 10 o'clock tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, let's go back to this for a minute. The trees along the bank are all planted. I've put all these in. They're a mixture of alder, uh, A-L-D-E-R, and willow. Um, why did I choose them? Well, they're trees that like their feet in water for a start, and this regularly is underwater here. It floods. And they're also relevant to the landscape, so it, they worked quite well. Well, now they're not native. Um, the big, beautiful one there that looks like a cherry is Almus spathii. That's North American. It's an absolutely stunning tree. And uh, this is another alder, believe it or not. This is Almus pinatophilia with the most gorgeous uh, cut leaves that look a bit sort of hawthorny or even oaky. Um, lovely, lovely tree. So these are alders. And the rest are all willows. Um, some of them are quite special. This one here that looks like a rubber plant. Um, is a willow, believe it or not. That's Salix magnifica, that's from the Himalayas. And the one next to it is Salix fargesii, which is also from the Himalayas. The ones in the back here are all from this area. They're not specific 
species, they are hybrids. There are very few pure willows uh, in the Burren, um, or in fact in Ireland. They hybridise so easily that most of them are actually hybrids. Uh, they're very difficult to identify, but they're beautiful, and there's all sorts of different ones in here. So they work really well here too. That's an island. Um, I, that's artificial too. I made that with waste from civvings. Took me three attempts because every time I finished it, we had a flood and the whole lot got washed away again. So I had to start all over again. And eventually, I planted the willows around the back and I got them going. And of course, now their roots are probably holding the whole thing together. So it, it works quite nicely. So uh, yeah, lovely little space. In another week or two, now this year's weird. We're still three weeks behind normal. It's just so slow this year. It's unreal. Huh? Well, everything wise, it's just weird. I think it's because it's been so cold right up until now, really. Um, yeah, the plants, some of the plants are a month behind, uh, and everything, even the wildflowers, like, because normally now that is just a blast of meadowsweet, valerian, purple loosestrife, hemp agrimony, um, harebells. It's just colour all the way through, and it's pretty green, really, still. It looks like it does in kind of June um, it's green still yeah it is, it's very very slow this year um, this bit I got up to here and uh, this I didn't, this was not really part of the garden, it was my own little play space and uh, I got up here and I used to have to go back the same way and that really annoyed me because I like to do a little circle if I can, so I started hacking my way through this lot to see if I could make a circular path through so this section in here now um, came after this and it's a other means of getting around a different route but it was basically solid absolutely solid that's a willow um, yeah this one is actually Salix um, Salix alba britzensis and it's stunning it has brilliant brilliant red uh, twigs in the winter and the colder the temperature the redder the tree gets so when there's no leaves and when everything's grey you've got this blast of vermilion it's amazing red uh, orangey colour it's lovely the blue oh the blue is a comfrey yeah there's a lovely one that you use to make yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 um, this one, this is a lovely one because now this should be gone. I mean, normally this is gone in May. It's still coming out into flower, funnily enough. Lovely colour. It's incredible. But don't, don't put this in your garden. There's a reason it's there. It was in the garden. I finally managed to get it out and I shoved it in here because it can do what it wants here because it gets mown. Uh, and it won't go next door because that's too bad a ground. Uh, it's terribly, terribly spready. So be careful with it. Comfries are great. Um, one of the English names is bone set. They used to wrap it around horses' ankles, race horses, um, if they damage their ligaments. It, it heals bones. It speeds up the re recovery of breaks and sprains and things. So it's a useful plant, and it makes great um, uh, comfrey soup. Uh, for compost yeah you steep it in water until it stinks to high heaven then you dilute it 10 to 1 and you can use it to feed your plants it's, it's brilliant it's up there with nettles and, and a few other plants the whole thing started off like that uh, like every inch of the garden started off exactly like that um, and it's gradually been cleared this is another bulb bank um, it's full of snowdrops 
Scylla's Camassia, tons of Camassia, Poet's Narcissus Daffodil. So actually, this is blue and white. And in the spring, when there's no leaves on the trees, this is quite light in here, gets quite a lot of sun actually. Uh, and this bank is just blue, white, blue, white, blue, white, right the way down to the side of the river in, in the early part of the year. It's lovely. And then in the summer, it's just green. Yeah, the, it's lovely with bulbs. Um, April. It's a very different garden in the spring. Yeah, I've had a couple of stints adding on land. <laughs> I, I got a, I bought a piece earlier, right at the beginning, um, and then I've got a very, very good neighbour, um, and uh, he gave me a load a few years ago. So um, we did a bit of sw switching and swapping and stuff, and <laughs> I look after his cows for him and stuff. So <laughs> he gave me a load of land. Uh. <laughs> yeah, version. Well, this is my pride and joy in here. Um, this this has just been amazingly successful. Um, ten years ago, it looked like that, and I wanted a little space for moths. I'm into moths and butterflies, and I cleared the hazel from kind of here um, around these rocks and opened it up but it was just a little enclosed circle because that was solid as well so this was completely disconnected to the garden but it was very warm very sheltered and the insects of course loved it and it was quite successful it was too small uh, it wasn't really getting the air and the light so I moved it out to here made it a bit bigger and then I moved it out again to make it even bigger um, I didn't really bring soil in here because the, there was some it's not good soil but there was some soil and all I did was fill in the hole and take off the, the high bits so that I could mow it eventually. And, well, this is what's happened. It's just amazing. Uh, in the early part of the year, this is wall-to-wall primroses and cowslips. It's just stunning. And I've got tulips in here, small species tulips, uh, a lot of snowdrops, daffodils, camassias, a thousand snakes head fertilities all the way through here. So it's a real bulb, uh, spring bulb uh, meadow. And then you get this. It, it's just continuous, it's incredible really um, in a few weeks time this will be very different again, it will be, be more blues and purples, there will be a bit more clover probably um, purple loose strife and uh, meadow sweets and all the napweeds, they'll all start coming in as well but the orchids are unreal um, there was early purples in here at the beginning of the year, they've gone this tall thing is um, the common spotted orchid Okay, this is what you're going to see all over Ireland at the moment, this is the, a common one uh, Dactyloriza fuchsii, uh, very, very common. It's easy to identify, um, even though they are all the same, so they look different because they're all different colours. Um, if you look at the petal, uh, the bottom half of the flower, it's like um, a trident, it's got three prongs on the end. And if you look at the leaves, you'll find purple spots all over them, okay? So that's the common spotted orchid. Now, there's a variation and that's this fella here which is pure white it's not off-white and it's not pink it's absolute parcel white and if you look at the leaves there's no spots at all it's spot free that's the same it's Dactyloriza fuchsii var o'kellii and it's named after Patrick O'Kelly do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Patrick O'Kelly, who was he? He was a chancer from Ballyvohan. Um, 
he set himself up as Dr. Patrick O'Kelly, which he wasn't. Um, he also claimed he had this nursery, which he didn't. Well, he sort of did, but it was a very big nursery. It was about 365 square miles, and it was called the Burren. And he set himself up a mail-order company in Ballyvaughan selling Burren wildflowers all across Europe. And the wealthy to-do gardeners of Europe used to send their orders in to uh, Patrick uh, for six gentians and five spotted orchids and ten bee orchids. And he used to send a few of the local lads out digging them off, packaging them off, and they'd be sent off. So that was Patrick O'Kelly. Fantastic. I'd love to have met him. He must have been an amazing character, I should think. And uh, it was in the late 1800s. He's buried in um, Drumcrehy Drum Churchyard in, in Ballyvaughan. His house is still there. It's derelict, but his house is still there. And there's a bit of a garden still. There's a few weird trees. I think they're still there, but it's, it's pretty much abandoned now completely. But wonderful character. And they named the orchid after him. <laughs> and people say, oh, they shouldn't have named that. Well, he did us a favour, actually, because he was the first person to really catalogue the barren plants. And what we've discovered recently, um, he was probably moving some of the rare things and splitting them up and putting them in different places to guarantee that he always had stock to sell. So there are quite rare plants. There's greater butterwort, for example, which is a carnivorous plant, an insectivorous plant. And it's quite a, there's quite a few places in the burn where you'll find it, but it shouldn't be there in those places. It's in the wrong place. And the only thing we can think of is that it, Mr. Kelly must have moved them there so that he could always get one if he needed one for an order. So, yeah, he probably did us quite a lot of favours. He would have loved this place. Um, it would have been nice for him to see it. So, anyway, there you are. Um, there's another meadow in there. That's new. I only did that one two years ago uh, and the only reason I did that was because I bought five new hawthorns and I haven't got anywhere to put them so I had to make another meadow so that's it in there so you can wander around in there later if you want um, so these are all hawthorns the trees that are planted they're all different they're from all over the world and there's another five of them in there as well oh, and there's some hazels I spend all this energy and time ripping out all these hazels and blackthorn and then I go to a supplier and buy a few more and put them back again I told you it was mad it is mad <laughs> <laughs> it's great so wildflower area yeah this will get chopped in probably October November it'll get skinned absolutely skinned to the ground I mean you'll look at it and think that'll never recover and then it'll stay cropped for the winter I can't mow it in the spring because all the snowdrops are sticking up so I can't do that and this hasn't been mown since last November and uh, that's that's how you get your flowers now this lot I will Stream quite soon because at the moment it's mostly grass and I don't really want the grass I want the flowers so what I'll do is I'll go through with the strimmer I won't go all of it I'll leave this patch of daisies I'll leave the St John's wort I'll leave the knapweed but I'll just take out most of the area where there's grass and then bit by bit year by year it'll just get better and better and it'll eventually end up like that you know it's um, yeah it's, it's, it's great and it works really well if it was sunny and warm this would be full of butterflies and moths and things yeah, it's lovely. This is brand new. 
This is completely new. You haven't seen this, Martin. No. no. <laughs> There's always. Do I? Oh, absolutely. In this country, never, ever mulch grass. Never. Um, it's too wet. The climate's too bad for it. Everybody promotes grass mulching. It's lazy man's gardening. Take them away. You will not get wildflowers if you're mulching lawn, and you'll end up with a nasty, rank grass uh, and moss. So clear it. Yeah, always clear it. <laughs> but I would advise against putting lawn clippings on compost heaps. I used to um, up until this year, and I couldn't figure out why I was getting so many weeds of certain types and we've just worked out this year finally it's where the compost has been put on the garden and it's buttercups some of them are okay because they're garden plants I don't mind that but some of them are nuisance things which you don't really want to get in the beds once it's all been sieved you know so no more grass clippings on the compost pile I'm just putting them in the corners out the way and then eventually it'll rot down and form soil and ah, sure it can do what it wants yeah this little corner in here this is very new um, we only finished it this year I had a problem the gable garden is in there that's 2001 and this was like that it was solid hazel in the beginning it worked because there was loads of light going in there because these hazels were probably only about 7 or 8 feet high but I didn't notice them growing because you don't and over the years that got darker and darker and darker to the point where I was losing stuff and it was gloomy and midgy and not really very nice so I thought well I either cut the tops off the hazels to get the sun to go back in which is going to look a bit silly or I take them out so I started taking a few out to let the light back in there and of course once I started I pretty much had to do more and I cleared this zone of hazel and then once it was cleared the light went back in it lit the front garden again so that was lovely it did the job but then I had a space so I thought well it's a new opportunity so we cleared it all out and uh, did this it's taken four years there's 20 tons of soil in this side and there's more on that side it's actually quite deep I managed to get down in some places about this deep it's the deepest part of the whole garden and uh, it's perfect for my hydrangea collection I'm really into hydrangea um, and I'm collecting them now there's nearly a hundred different species and cultivars in the garden at the moment um, but they're difficult to place you see they don't look right in this landscape really um, so I wanted to put them somewhere where they were completely hidden you can't see in here and you can't see out there's no landscape visible it's just trees so this is perfect for some of the hydrangeas so there's a spine of hydrangea running down here and there and in five years time hopefully they'll be kind of like this or maybe even bigger so this will return to woodland then but it'll be a hydrangea woodland so gone will be the colour and you'll just literally walk through two huge banks of hydrangea so I'll get my woodland back but it won't be so high as to stop the light from going into the front so problem solved there mm. so very good <laughs> that gorgeous red thing that's a hydrangea uh, that's hydrangea hot chocolate uh, aspera hot chocolate it's not very hardy um, but it did come through this winter it got badly hit uh, I thought it had gone but then all of a sudden bang it just came into leaf again so it lost its first leaves but it produced another crop so uh, yeah and where are the plants 
garden? Uh, there in this garden, that one at the moment seems to be a very pale. It's a lace cap. It's thinner than this, mm. and it's pinky, pale pinky, yeah, whitey pink. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> there's some love. They're just coming out, actually. Yeah, they're beginning to, to appear now. This antirhinum is amazing. If you like antirhinums, see if you can find this one. It's called Black Prince, and it's reliably perennial. It's tough, and it survives the winter no bother at all. And it comes true from seed, which is brilliant. So if you've got it and you collect the seeds, you can you can keep it going, and it's it's stunning. It's a really lovely rich red. Yeah, that's an etium. It's a very peculiar looking thing. Um, that's from the Canary Islands. It's uh, Echium pinanana. It should be a 15 and a half foot spike of blue flowers, but unfortunately it got frosted and that's what happened. I had a load of them in here and I was minding them because the problem here, if you live in Dublin uh, or somewhere like that, you they, they only take two years to flower. They're biannual, which is really what they are. But on the West Coast, they're triannual because they don't get enough light. So you have to keep them through two winters and it's really difficult to do because one frost and that's the end of them I had a lovely line of them along there and a lovely line of them and every single one of them got clobbered except that one um, but he's, he's not supposed to look like that really <laughs> but anyway there you are Laura. Black print, Antirhinum black yeah. prints, yeah. P-R-I-N-C. Yeah. P-R-I-N-C. Yes, uh, prints, <laughs> as in Charles. <laughs> yeah, that's the etium, yeah, yeah. We're going to take a break and uh, come back to Carbridge Garden again next week because the subject here is so fascinating and so much fun and Carl Wright is such a storyteller. So uh, do come back and join us again next week for part two of our tour of Carbridge Garden. And here's Carl giving us some details of where you can find out more. Uh, well, probably the easiest thing to do is look up the garden on, on Facebook. There is a Facebook page for it, um, which you can make bookings through or to send an email, um, and that's easy. It's carbridgegarden at gmail.com. Um, or if you're in the country, uh, just Google Carbridge Garden and you'll find all the information that you require online. Um, so it's very easy. I'm open only really by appointment um, now having said that I'm kind of open most of, most days uh, this year's a d- different because of the Covid thing yeah. um, so it's a little bit restricted this year but usually I would be open by appointment and there's a tour nearly every day it's a guided tour and uh, you just phone up and make an appointment or email and what the 